0: Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. He started his career off as a sound engineer when he was just 15 years old. He's collaborated with some of the best A-list talent, and he's one of the head sound engineers at Nickelodeon Animation. Please welcome Ryan Green to Allison's Wonderland. Hey Ryan, nice to be here.
1: What's going on? Good to see you. Good to see
0: you too. And uh, we're not working; we're just hanging.
1: I like this. It looks nice. so different from the rectangle on Zoom.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know because we had worked together a couple times on "It's Pony," I think, for Nickelodeon. Yes, we did. And and we worked together on a little project my son was working on. And we came in, and it was like, oh, it was cool to kind of just be back for a little bit,
1: just for a moment. Yeah, maybe more.
0: Has um, COVID really affected the way that you do your work?
1: COVID has affected us quite a bit. I mean, the the whole uh, having talent record from home, having to set up their their systems, mm. soundproof their rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have people that uh, record from bathrooms, and
0: uh, literally, literally. Oh, that's sort of the worst sound, isn't it?
1: Uh, uh, they actually have. It is. It's a <laughs> crazy bathroom. Anybody wants to go record at their place. It actually sounds really good. Wow. But, uh, you know, all the different environments that we've, uh, we've had to work with and talent being so wonderful to allow, allow us into their homes via Zoom yeah. and go through and say, oh, you know, what could you? Put a pillow here and, and hang a blanket there, and working through, of course, all the technical issues that we that yes. you know, we go through. <laughs> and we were doing this. Manny Grajava and I uh, were asked to
0: Manny. Um, he's on Rugrats.
1: Ah, uh, love we Manny. Love Manny. So you know, and you know, we were asked to figure out how to do this, mm-hmm. and we had to do it very quickly because of the shutdown. Yeah. And wow. uh, Manny and I worked together and put the whole format together. And the protocol and what we needed to do, what, what was important, what wasn't important, and then started to go through the process. And
0: wow. It has
1: been a wild ride. But it is now the, the, new, the new way to do yeah. things because there are people that will probably never come back because they love their, their home systems. And there's some people that will. It's
0: so interesting. Now, when did you first start at Nickelodeon?
1: Uh, I started at the end of two thousand and seventeen.
0: okay. So about five years or so. In, coming up on five? Yes. And mm. you have an illustrious career uh, prior to that as a sound engineer, recording engineer, and producer on the music scene. So you kind of have split personalities
1: i I do. you know, it's been a uh, it's been a wild ride. you know sometimes looking back on it, uh, it's a. Uh, i don't even know how how it even happened i think it was just the you see a a door opens and you just walk through it
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and that's all it's been my whole career it's like something would come up and i'd be naive enough to go oh yeah i could do this Oh yeah, sure i'll do this
0: sounds like your first opportunities came at a really young age too
1: very very young so how did that all come about So, it it basically started with my brother. My brother was going to recording school when I was still in high school. And he he would bring his notes home from his recording school, and I would study those and not do my homework. (laughs) And then my brother started to help me with my homework, and I just found, I just, you know, I was a drummer, I really felt very connected to the studio,
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: and, um... Out of high school, I ended up getting a job at the Troubadour.
0: uh, Wow. And they
1: hired me underage. I was 17, not even 18 yet. Don't know
0: anymore. (laughs) No. No one needs to know.
1: (laughs) And and I was paid under the table, too, so it was (gasps) even better. So it's like... Troubadour (laughs) putting
0: you on blast.
1: (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) It was uh, the (laughs) Mermes.
1: And... uh, Uh, was introduced to a whole lifestyle that I never even knew. It was, wow! It was the things that you would read about in in magazines.
0: Uh huh. You
1: were in it, and <laughs>
0: tell us more. Tell us
1: more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what happened uh, after two a.m. Mm. was really the enlightenment in the part. club
0: or is it now you guys have moved on No,
1: it, it was uh, it was in the club. Uh-huh. Yeah, that front bar has history.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. So, it was uh, it was very eye-opening to me. Uh, you know, I lived in Thousand Oaks and kind of lived a a cool, pretty quiet lifestyle and here I was thrown into the, one of the bigger clubs in Hollywood at an age that I yeah, it was it was pretty, <laughs> A little pretty premature, terrible. but A you're little doing bit. all right. <laughs> and then after, uh, uh and then while I was there, I ended up going to recording school, mm-hmm. same school my brother went to. Which school
0: was that?
1: And it was uh, called Sound Masters. Okay. And actually, right next to what is now Salami, which was Devonshire oh. before. Oh. So it was literally yeah. right next door. Wow. Went from uh, recording school to. Uh, I didn't graduate Mm -hmm. because there was an electronics course that I needed to take, and the teacher and I just didn't connect, Mm -hmm. and I ended up walking out and told the school that I will graduate when you get a new teacher. I was a little cocky back then. Uh (laughs) And uh, it it progressed. (laughs) Take that. Right? right? Yeah. I'm not going to graduate.
0: (laughs) It's already giving you the money, but. (laughs) So we. uh, But but how many times have people asked you for your degree? I'm sure. (laughs)
1: Yeah. uh, A a zero. A big zero. But uh, I ended up. uh, I was at home one day and I was watching the Flintstones. I remember this like it was yesterday. Hmm. And. I knew I needed to do something, so I called the school, and they gave me a referral to MCE Music, and they one shouldn't have because I didn't graduate, <laughs> and uh, and that's what uh, that's what started my my career. I, I walked in. There are a lot of details in and around that, but the person that hired me. Actually graduated from Thousand Oaks High School, which was oh. my high school. So he, uh, he did ask, he goes, so where did you grow up? And I said, Thousand Oaks. And he goes, what high school? And I told him. And he goes, do you like Westlake High School's football team? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I grew, I graduated Thousand Oaks. And he goes, ah, you got the job. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, dude. Like, wow. And uh, Scott James, who was uh, the person that hired me at uh, MCA, you know, put me in a in a position that I could learn. And uh, it was the tape duplicating room. It mm-hmm. went from the tape duplicating room where I was allowed to hang in the studio any time that I wasn't working. So mm-hmm. after work at six o'clock, I would be in the studio from six until two in the morning every single day.
0: Wow. And I just
1: sat on the couch and I watched. Wow. And then that turned into a year later, they needed a, a first engineer, there was no assistant. They threw me in at 19 to uh, to engineer. And four years after that, I got the itch to do more and I made uh, some phone calls and ended up getting the chief engineer position at EMI uh, Music.
0: Wow. And
1: I was, it was just, doors just opened.
0: Hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. So these are, these are labels, Correct. but then they have their own studios. So Correct. it's kind of like a little vertical integration. Correct. So then are the bands from those labels required to record at the studios? No. Are they? Can you know, maybe they'll come in to, to do
1: multiple things. It could be anywhere from uh, pre-production for the new records to be recording vocals or just doing doing various things. Songwriters, you know, you know Desmond Child and Holly Knight and Glenn Ballard and uh, you know Diane Warren. It was just like you know you would have the top songwriters coming in and working with. Working with talent, working with artists, and wow. uh, I just happened to be the engineer.
0: Okay, so they'd be yeah. So you got to sit in almost like a master's class on different sessions, songwriting sessions. One
1: hundred percent. I wow. never knew. Uh, I never knew what I was learning until uh, it got into working with bands on my own. But Glenn Ballard gave me a uh, uh, a really good piece of information when I first started out. I used to house it for Glenn and he really took me really under his wing um, and was very, very kind because nobody wanted to work with me because I was so young. Mm. The chief engineer, Francis, was 10, 12, 13 years older than I was, so I was the baby. Mm -hmm. And Glenn was like, you do my sessions and everybody will start working with you. And he said... You know, when you're working with, with, with bands and artists, remember that their songs are their babies. Mm-hmm. And you have to treat the, those babies very delicately. Mm. And as I started in my career, I was like, but what happens if you have an ugly baby? <laughs> so then I approached it where, well, I have this cute little outfit for your baby. Yeah. And you're, baby will like end up blossoming into this beautiful Gap model <laughs> right and that's how i uh, approached uh, producing records where mm. it ended up being i think the drum part could be better mm. try playing this uh, the guitar part could be better let's try something like this mm. uh, you know your vocal melody let's work on that and you mm. would slowly like um um watch the baby grow into this you know, this beautiful collection of songs.
0: (laughs) I was wondering where you were gonna go with that metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's so amazing. So talk to us about some of the early producing that you did.
1: Well, I think that some of the the first engineering that I did was um, a woman named Tina Clark uh, was a, uh, or still is a a songwriter-producer. Uh-huh. And uh, she and I got along really well, and she took me out on my first record. So the first thing that we did was uh, a woman named Vesta Williams, and we worked on three songs, and they had, and Tina was just starting off as well. Uh-huh. And the songs that, the song that we worked on went number one. Wow. And then that led us what to work with uh, Congratulations.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, it's a long, long what time ago. What year About is it? Hour. You don't... <laughs> seven uh uh-huh. maybe right
0: i, I want to hear it maybe the and, editor can insert that uh, here. <laughs> oh why not cuz digital rights
1: <laughs> and uh, then uh, we went in uh, from that work with La Bell and Gladys Knight yeah. and then uh, and then when i moved over to uh, EMI it was uh you know Megadeth and Cheap Trick and Alice <laughs> Cooper and it was uh, um, a lot of just being in it with the, uh, with the artists. And wow. it was, uh, again, a wild like time. Should I have been there? To, the, should I have been doing that at that age? <clears throat> well,
0: how will well do you then? I mean, I don't know if it's <laughs> closing Oh my gosh, let's Maybe give it a, 22? give it a range. Early twenties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very early. 20s. So then, so you have really do have these two different lives. Do people at Nickelodeon know that you're a rock star? <laughs> has anyone told them well
1: definitely i don't know if i would be a rock star <laughs> i've <laughs> worked like, i've worked with rock you're, stars you're,
0: you're the you I've are wor- the wind beneath their wings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know it's uh i think that there are some people that uh that know the history there's some people that are uh that may not it's uh i don't know working at nick is uh I feel like I've started my career all over again. I feel like I'm 19. In a good way? In a great way. Oh, That's exciting. I mean, everyone, everybody from the, the um, you know, Justin Brinsfield was the one that brought me in uh, and, and hired me, and Manny was gracious enough to, to teach me how to, to do the job, because doing a record is completely different than doing voiceover.
0: Interesting. How, do they, how are they different?
1: You just don't. You, all the technical issues, all the, the peep pops and the mouth noise mm-hmm. and, the, and the this and the that. And I mean, my first session was hilarious because I came into it not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. And I had two, uh, three two-hour training sessions. Okay. And I'm like, take number? Why do you need take numbers? What's a, well, my number? It was, you know, in uh-huh. music, you would just go, okay, we're going to go and, uh, uh, you know, start on verse two. You know, let's pick start up. Star that. Uh, right. You know, and so I didn't, I, you know, there were a lot of things I didn't understand. Beeping in for ADR. What's a beep? <laughs> I mean, I literally knew nothing. Uh, so my first session was uh, Loud House.
0: That's a lot of people on that show.
1: There was a lot of people. So it was uh, the ensemble, which was eight people. The only thing I ever saw before that was just doing one or oh, two God. people. And again, only, you know, I only had three, three training sessions. And you're the solo
0: engineer or there's somebody, oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Um, there was, uh,
0: Even just setting up eight different microphones seems like a lot.
1: Yeah. Justin, uh, on that one, uh, popped in after I got going, but, uh, Lisa yeah. Schaefer was, uh, the voice director and, uh. I remember setting everything up and then trying to slate in and I had the the slate on a little post-it and somebody said something in the script and uh, I turned to Lisa and I said something because I thought that I was doing something wrong, (laughs) but it was something in the script that they had said. And uh, and Lisa, this was like, guy's
0: a piece of junk. <laughs>
1: it, it was. It was. We're talking it, about Lincoln. Right. And, uh, and Lisa said that's in the script, and I was like, <laughs> okay. And now I know. I, I feel much better about me.
0: This is different. Yeah.
1: So it was. It was a. It was a big learning curve. But the people there uh, are wonderful. It is. It's seriously my happy place. Mm. I found. um I found some of my best friends there. Um, when talent comes in, it doesn't feel like they're just talent coming in. Mm. Everybody's family. Mm. Everyone. You know, you see somebody in the hallway and you, and you have these beautiful conversations. Or, hey, you know, how's, you know, how's your day going? And, you know, it's not just the, yeah, it's okay. You know, somebody will like, they'll open up to you. Mm. And, and that's just the, the environment. Mm-hmm. So Nickelodeon is really... The happiest place on earth. It's it's not Disney. Sorry, Disney. (laughs) You lose.
0: Do we have the legal rights to use that? (laughs) Wow. So Nickelodeon from from Metallica to Nickelodeon. Mm. You've done it all and everything in between.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a been a wild ride.
0: Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about working with Metallica.
1: I mean, what was with Megadeth? Well, Megadeth was a uh, so. uh, Countdown to Extinction. That's what. It yeah, was. it was a, uh, it was a wild time because I, I remember showing up to the studio, and uh, the Cartage people got there early, and I remember I'm getting sorry, the Cartage people. Which so they, people? The Cartage uh, are the people that uh, will bring all the equipment. Okay. So they have carts, and they were <laughs> they have lots of carts, <laughs> uh, and there was a lot of equipment. I remember getting off the elevator. And I started to walk down the hallway, and it was just road case after road case after road case after road case. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I uh, walk into the studio, and the drum tech was already setting up uh, Nick Menza's drums. It was a massive kit. And I walk in, and Nick pops up from behind the kit, and he goes, oh, I'm Nick super he a super nice person and then uh david olson uh comes in like 20 minutes later and we're talking and then uh, Mustaine shows up and everybody is just super nice <laughs> not what people kind, may think yeah. yeah it was a uh, it was a really um a really good vibe they were excited to excited to to be there and again, I grew up with a band, and here I am working with them. Wow! And we, you know, we started to work on the songs, and we're recording, and uh, you know, came time to do guitars, and uh, uh, Mustaine said, uh, "Oh, I want to get a you know, I want to mic up every speaker on every cabinet," and he had five cabinets, Marshall stacks. And he wanted to go through every speaker to find the sound of hmm. of of the hmm. of what they were going to do. Wow. And it was, uh, you know, and it ended up getting really intense. It was like he was very, very meticulous. Wow. Which was great for me because working on, you know, you know, I'm still, I'm young, I'm, you know, but uh, working at that level with somebody like that. Wow. And everybody was very meticulous in what they did. And uh, what ended up happening was after we finished uh, all the songs, my mentor, Max Norman, ended up producing, engineering, and mixing the record. And he told me, uh, he and I are now very, very close, but he told me that uh, I should have done the record because what I did sounds very, very similar to what the record uh-huh. is. Max went through arrangements and, of course, better studio and, and way more time, but mm-hmm. it was still that here's my mentor telling me that I should have done that record. Wow. And I could still listen back to it and think, you know what, it, it actually did a, did a good job for the time that we had. It was impressive.
0: I mean, it, it's it's so crazy how you you have mentioned a few times that a door just appeared and you walked through it. In some ways, do you attribute that to luck or timing or it's my um, path? Interesting. So that's I. What I was kind of getting at was, do you feel that you've been led on this path? And
1: one hundred percent. Yeah. There's no no other explanation. My for me, my career. Looking at it and the people that I've uh, uh, I've had the. Pleasure to work with everything. It is, uh, that is not by luck. It's it, it either it's, then I must be the luckiest person in the world. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that goes with, uh, even my friends that, uh, um, it's just, it was my path. It's exactly, I seem to always be exactly where I need to be. And no matter what happens, mm. Good or bad, that is still exactly where I need to be because mm-hmm. sometimes it's not about you.
0: Have there been challenges in your career?
1: Many, yeah, many. You know, I went through, uh, uh, been married twice, uh, worked too much, mm. um, health issues. I mean, i you know, it's uh, you know, uh, loss of my mom. Mm. It's like you know, it's uh, there. There has been a lot of a lot of challenges but you overcome those you really focus on well this but this is what i what i needed to do Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: it's all going to work out and it always does no matter the darkest times doesn't matter
0: thanks for tuning in to allison's wonderland where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.